Hello again, everyone. I'm Matt Laughlin, along with Amanda Stein. And it is our pleasure to welcome you to our official Devils podcast as we are graced by the presence of the best goaltender of all time. We absolutely are. Like, he, How do you feel about that? Uh, thank you, but... <laughs> we cut right to the chase. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, sorry. Wait. I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, I was thinking the other day, uh, the term GOAT, G-O-A-T, greatest of all time, yeah. really is turn that term around because back when I was younger Marty maybe you too if you were the goat you made it's a, a bad mistake thing, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, exactly. now the goat is 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 a popular term and is a more positive but anyway welcome to our podcast thank you we've got a lot to talk about so you got about an hour two hours ready yeah, to go on? yeah just about <laughs> for us anything so many things of course that we do want to touch upon your current role with the devils and what's happening there some memories from playing the Hall of Fame, et cetera. You know, speaking of Marty as one of the greatest goaltenders, the greatest goaltender of all time, you know, there were so many people in Montreal who weren't Habs fans. They were Devils fans, you know, Canadian Devils fans because of Marty himself. Yeah, that's one thing. That's one thing I, I felt like uh, even though when I would go to Montreal or, you know, the the amount of people with, with the yeah. Devil's jersey in there and obviously brought the Stanley Cup three times to Montreal. So <laughs> I'm sure I made some people happy You've done there. that more than they have recently. <laughs> so. so it's been, uh, you know, it's been good. I think yeah, I was lucky enough to, to have a pretty good following up in Canada. You know, obviously with me winning the Stanley Cups here in New Jersey, but also winning two gold medals uh, for, for our country also. But I think the po- your popularity, certainly locally in Montreal, it was always great. But across Canada, mm-hmm. you referenced the gold medals. Not that you were booed, but once you helped Canada break that jinx and bring home Canadian gold, gold from the Olympics... You got rousing ovations when you were introduced <laughs> as as a starter. That yeah, night. yeah, it was it was it's something that I never thought about it. You know, I we we won the gold medal, and I think one of the first game back we went in Toronto, and I got wow. one of the stars of the game, and like the whole place went nuts, and I was like, do they know I like <laughs> I play for the Devils here? <laughs> but it was um, it's kind of pretty pretty cool the way you know what happened is like 50 years you know we didn't uh, didn't win a gold medal like and, and nobody would think about canada mm-hmm. having a a slide of 50 years without a uh, gold medal and so it was a big deal it was a big deal up in canada and and to this day I, I i will travel around canada and people will go thank you marty for the gold medal like they That's they awesome. leg- literally like would, would come up to me and not even talk to me about all of fame or anything else they they want to thank me for that. Then it's funny because you know we were part of a team, and and but all all of us we you know we get those comments all the time. Well, I think it's also like as Canadians, you know, you want to be you know in, of any sport, you want to be on the top of the hockey world, and by having that Olympic medal really sort of changes the dynamic of the conversation. And so, I mean, I remember just the 2010 Olympics, you know, be, I, I couldn't even watch the overtime. I was like under my blanket until I heard, you know, Crosby scream out Iggy yeah. and all that. It's just, it's, it's such an important thing for our country. Yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty cool. And it, it's a pride factor. You know, yeah. I think we, we stick together as far as, you know, as a country and, and, and hockey team. And we see them a lot. Um, it's it's funny how that works. You know, you have teams that have a lot of Canadians. You have teams that doesn't have as many. Um, I was playing, uh, so I did an event with uh, Bernie Perron, the you know, famous goalie from uh, Philadelphia, and he said that I think he was part of the last team that it was an all Canadian team that won the Stanley Cup in Philadelphia. Really? 
And uh, just going back to last year, they were, I think, 16 or 17 Canadian in, into the Blues organization. Uh, in the team itself that, that won the Stanley yeah. Cup. So it's kind of, you know, when, when we're Canadian, you always look at positive things, and these are pretty cool. It's true, though. Like, when, when your team is not in the playoffs and you have, like, the finals, you're like, ooh, which one has the most Canadians that I can cheer yeah. for and all that? It's a sense of national pride. I mean, it isn't our national sport, actually, yeah. but, but, <laughs> but it, does, it, it sort of is in the dialogue. Well, it also is. Hockey is, as I say often, times the river is not very wide but it's very deep there are so many connections and people get to know each other throughout the sport oh yeah I played with that guy one year in junior or I spent some time with him on a national team etc but it is a unifying factor because mm-hmm. it's a small country relative to the United States and so now here you are you know sticking your chest out uh, which we know. don't do very yeah. often well, right? <laughs> but after not winning huh? for 50 yeah. years and Seeing Russia win and seeing other yeah. teams come away with gold, Sweden, you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. When did that change? When did Canada, I don't want to say make it more of a determination, but when, because you've been involved in hockey Canada, well, when did it start like, hey, we have to regain our stature? Well, you know, it's it's not a, it's fair and not fair because for the longest time, we couldn't have our best players playing in the Olympics. Yeah. Some countries, don't. not everybody comes to the NHL. So for that reason, it was harder to compete against certain countries, you know, Sweden and Russia and, you know, other, other, other countries. Whenever they put the, good, the best players, this, you saw that we're a lot more competitive and, 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 and winning, uh, winning, you know, was that three now? Three yep. uh, gold medals since, uh, since the 0-2 one? That's why it's so rewarding as, as, an, as an athlete to go to the Olympics or to play inter, on the international level. Just because that ego has to be checked at the door, you know. I mean, we. I, th- I remember. I think in in 2002, I think we had like 11 or 12 captains. You know, I think we had like seven centermen. They got to play somewhere else, you know. And then guys are used to be the. You know, don't even. There's a penalty. They jump on the ice. Now we had like 18 guys jumping on the ice. So you got to sacrifice yourself, you know. And it's the same thing for for the goalies. You know, you went in there. And it's six new defensemen to, to kind of learn how they play, different system, different players. You know, th- you know, obviously high level play. So uh, it, that big adjustment, it, and you do that within three weeks, two weeks, two and a half weeks, and one winner. You know, and that's that's why it's rewarding as an athlete to be able to come in and adjust yourself. And you're like, you know what? I sacrificed. I did everything, and uh, so that's why the price is so is so great when when it happens. What's it like? I think you and I have talked about this before, but what's it like? You know, we talk about checking egos and all that. When you're a professional athlete going in the Olympic environment where you're, you know, it's two different types of worlds. Yeah. It's two completely you, you, different worlds. You know worlds. what? I think it makes you appreciate more what you do when you go to the really? Olympics. Just because you start understanding how hard it is for these athletes to be able to perform right. at the highest level. Um, you know, I remember I, I would. I would be in the in the uh, in the village, and I would talk to some Canadian, like a skier or whatever, and and I would ask them, well, you know, is did your wife came, your girlfriend came? My dad goes, no, no, we can't afford that. Oh, man. My sponsor can't, you know, they can't pay for that. So they're they're by themselves, living their dream. Not everybody, mm-hmm. but lots of them. I would say the majority. They're they they going to perform on the highest stage, and they can't even have support around them because they can't afford it. And that kind of puts it under perspective when you fl- flew with somebody, your family private and to you're the Olympics. On the yeah, yeah, yeah and I'm, sitting, I'm not even competing in the Olympics. I'm just sitting on the bench here. So that's kind of 
humbling, good stories. I yeah, would it's imagine. humbling. It's a great stories. It's um, you live in the village with them. It's like we're not staying at the Ritz Carlton when we go to the Olympics. Like we we eat at the you know at, at the cafeteria that they set up for us. You know, there's a McDonald in there, and you see everybody's eating McDonald. You're like, wow, I didn't know athletes did that. <laughs> you know, they're done their competition. It's you know for them, it's they they work for four years to get to that point, yeah. and after that, for most of them, it's over. So it's uh, it's different, yeah. but it was I enjoyed it much. I mean, I have a big background with the Olympics because my father played, yeah. and so I always had something special for me to be part of the the Olympic Games. And hockey has a tournament; it's spread out over some time, and Canada generally knows it's going to advance to the knockout stage. But you're right; for some of these athletes, they come in. The skiing starts on a Tuesday, and by Thursday, it's done. It's like it's yeah. four years for two and, days, and, and you might not even be you, close you, to the You might podium. trip right from the get-go, yeah. and you don't yeah. even finish your... your Crazy. Uh, you know. So give me a good Gretzky, Brindamore, Iserman, Brodeur roommate story. I mean, <laughs> you know the best the best story, and and it, it go, and I don't think I'll I'll surprise anybody by saying that it's uh, nobody knew I was not going to play. So I walked in there, and uh, there was three bedrooms uh, with two single beds in each of the bedroom. The third one had two beds. So in my head, me and Roddy are going to bunk together. This is this is going to be our room. And Gretz came up. He goes, no, 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 I'll do it. You take the room by yourself. You're, you're, oh, you're, you need yeah. your rest? Yeah, and I was like, seriously? I'm not going to do this to you. But uh, he said, listen, I'm not even playing, so I'm okay. I'm just going to sit there. Don't worry about it. But just to tell you how like genuine and, and generous that, that person is, and that's kind of... That's kind of the one of the stories that that I had, and the other one is like uh, with, with Gress. I'm walking, I'm walking towards uh, you know the village, the cafeteria, and everything. And he walks in, and we're in Japan. It's the first time all pro athletes, and if anybody knows, everybody knows who Wayne Gretzky is. We walk in, oh and it's like people stop breathing, and they're just looking at him. And I'm sitting right beside him. So he leans over. He's like, Marty, can you just go grab me a burger? Because I don't want to go in front of everybody. <laughs> so I have to go to McDonald's and, and, and grab a burger for him. So. Uh, that's, cool. I really like that. that's pretty cool. I'm like, who's that guy with the uh, <laughs> Kind of like I had to Is, say is that, that Wade's uh, assistant? <laughs> and uh, this is not at all about me, but I will tell you, it's probably the same, similar reaction. Because Marty knows this, and Amanda, maybe I've told you, but when the Devils would be in Montreal, there'd mm-hmm. always be a great media group to see. Oh, Marty, yeah. Right? Uh, I know. French so first. Her we English were not first. traveling with the team at the time. So the bus would pull in near the locker room, come in through the bay, and then the big garage door would open, so there's the bus. And I would always, I would always walk out and walk in with Marty. So all the oh, cameras. Oh, you're, you're on TV. All oh, yeah. All the cameras are like following Marty and this guy. And I'm just sitting, how you doing, Marty? And I would walk and I'd peel off as they got to the dressing room. And I think everyone was like, we know who that guy is. Who the heck is walking with Marty Brodeur all the time? Because every time you come here, he's walking with you. Whatever. I just wanted to make sure I was in the bar. I like that. By the way, why are you Canadians so darn nice? I can't find... Why not? Yeah. That's also a really good point. But really, nicest people... Uh, you know. I think so too. Oh, thank you. Swedes are close. <laughs> Swedes are probably right up yeah. there too. I can't. Fi- I've not found a bad Swede. Yeah. No, I no. haven't either. Just point of fact. All but right. So we move away from Canada yeah. a little bit. Marty, your role um, as your uh, advisor uh, now. Uh, you've been with the Devils for a little bit, uh, you know, in management, but now a different kind of role as there's been a transition that's in effect. Uh, tell us a little bit about your role. Well, you know, I'm just kind of trying to 
uh, put everything back together. I think obviously there was a, a lot of changes in the organization, with uh, starting with uh, the coach and, and the GM, and and so they approached me to kind of help him, uh, you know, put it back together to a certain extent, and and then see what we have under the hood here, and um, kind of working alongside uh, Tom, uh, and I think he's doing a great job so far uh, with Danny McKinnon. Obviously, working a lot more uh, with uh, with Hugh Weber on on, on the top uh, with with Josh and David also. So it's been it's been a good transition for me because getting back in hockey, obviously I wanted to do that. Uh the commitment of me uh you know pursuing like a GM career or something is something that I really put in the back. I don't I, I don't want to I don't want to do that for now. I still have my family life and the reason why I came back is because I had a lot of flexibility. Uh this changes it a little bit, but I'm still able to uh live my life the way I want and try to help the Devils getting back to where we should be. And uh, there'll be a bit of work, but I think the the I think we're in the right direction. You said you you know part of your role is sort of looking under the hood and seeing what's there. I mean, was there something that surprised you even in these first couple of weeks, or how, what are you seeing right now? Well, what I'm seeing that and I, I know on our, our development side with with having Binghamton having the run that they're having, yeah. this is this is really good for us. It's good for the franchise, and and I always say it's kind of when you take a step back and you look at the organization. A lot, a lot of the players went from their junior team or college team or development team to the NHL. They never really had a chance to touch our development mm-hmm. part of the organization here, and now we're going to have w- that part of our organization will be really important going forward. Because we're going to develop these guys to become better pro quicker because they're going to have to be able to go to like a re- any team, you know, you go through the minors. But here we were so thin that guys would just right, come up yeah. and now that's going to change. But there's a few things that, that I'm looking that they'll, 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 they'll have to be addressed, but uh, nothing that, uh, again, it's going to be earth chattering here. And I, I imagine when you talk about development, you know, there have been a couple of call-ups right now with, like, Joey Anderson, Mike McLeod, those types of guys who have been able to come in and make a difference or really fit in seamlessly. That's also part of it, right? Of What you're looking at is how that process is working for those guys who are here now. Yeah, well, exactly. But, and, and we have time to put them in the minors and leave them there for a while, and that's how they develop. You yeah. know, Joey didn't get called up in the middle of the year, but now, he, you know, because of his play, he was able to get here at the, at the deadline and obviously we made some changes, but gives him a chance, but he earned that chance. Right. And it, it just can't be given. I mean, if you want to have a good organization, like everything needs to be earned. And, and I think these guys are, are putting in the work down there uh, and there'll be more going in there in the next few years that people maybe would love to see them in the NHL. But there's a process. You can't skip the process. It's a hard league. It's a tough league to play in. And uh, that part of the organization is, is going to be one of the most important part. You know, we can't expect that you're going to give us all the information. I mean, <laughs> the organization is still going through that process of deciding how – uh, the general manager's role is going to look and who that might be. As you said, Tom Fitzgerald's doing a terrific job. But what, what kind of time frame do you foresee? If not people, just what kind of time frame? Do yeah, you see? I, I don't think there's something uh, written the, in the sky that we have to do it at a certain time. We'll do it when we're ready. Obviously, there's there's people that are working still now that that you can't talk to You know, in, in different right. aspects that we have to wait that the season is over. Uh, but... Uh, you know they're not in a hurry. We just want to do it right. That's that's the bottom line. Like people like to, they see change and they expect things. It, it might take a little longer than people expect, but again, there's a there's a personal timeline that we have as an organization that that will will go through it uh, when when the time comes. But 
Uh, I can't tell you, hey, before the draft, everything's going to be done. I can't say that. I don't know. It might be. We'll see. Yeah, we'll have to follow that along. I would assume the general manager's position would be settled first, then coach. That's kind of the process. Usually that's the way it goes yeah. uh, because you want the general manager to control his team. You know, mm -hmm. he's the one that, that that's going to build it. So uh, usually that's the way it works. But something sometimes you never know. <laughs> yeah, all right. I, I, you know, speaking of coach, I, I have to ask of what you think of the job that – Alain Azhadine has done since he's taken over that role. Not an easy position for him, but the team has really, you know, flourished under him. Yeah, and, and you could see, you know, uh, the team is, is playing hard for him. Mm -hmm. And not necessarily they weren't playing hard before, but like I said, it's a, it, it's a tough, it's tough for him to come in and especially he doesn't have much experience. I think Peter Orchek really helps him yeah. in that department, a guy that's been around the block a few times. And that's, that's important for a young coach to have alongside himself. Uh, but no, he's he's been doing a good job, and you know, obviously we we took all the defensemen away from him, and <laughs> he took a few players here and there, you know, like a heart and soul player, and it's it's not easy on him. But you know what? He found a way to get his his team well prepared, and that's that's a good thing. Yeah, it is a credit to him. How much of a role moving forward? We we know it's an increasing role, but in hockey in general, but within the Devils, analytics, and how how has the game changes from what you've seen? in just the last few years about how much analytics and the eye and the heart all kind of play a role? Well, it's an, it's a, it's an important tool uh, for our success. Um, and it, it's funny, at first it was like, oh, it's all about hockey. It's about like, you know, the, your numbers and stuff like that. But now it becomes to be, you know, for kids at the draft, the way you do things, you know, and, and it's it's included in all facet of, of hockey operation. I think we have maybe four or five people on staff. Uh, that do that for us and uh, and highly regarded in that field. Yeah, and we're like for for us, it's fun. It's such a great sounding board, and it it opens your mind to ask different questions when you're able to see some of the data that come comes back. You know, it's on day to day with the coaches the way they handle. For us, as far as you know, the contracts, the you know, the future, the, the cap. There's tons of stuff that that goes into that, and. Um, as players, you're like, huh, you know, numbers guy. That but was going to be my question. Yeah, as a yeah, player, you know, as a player you, you, it can't. When the numbers work for you, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Like, yeah, you know, great. and uh, but most of the time they don't, because <laughs> that, that these numbers always look at the negative more than the positive to a certain extent. So that's why, as as hockey people, we got to take that in and and make the best use out of it. Well, speaking of of numbers and using that stuff to make the best decisions for the team. I think we're seeing that with Mackenzie Blackwood. Yeah. I think a lot of people would say, oh, the kid's great. He's got signs of being a very good goalie in this league for a long time. Just keep playing him, keep playing him, keep mm -hmm. playing him. But we see that the organization has decided, and Elena's talked about it, you know, we're going to have to balance it here because he saw so much time earlier in the year. But I don't know if a young Marty Brodeur would have <laughs> <laughs> would have liked that. But that just kind of shows you how the game has changed. Yeah, I mean that's for sure. Obviously, for goaltending, the, the 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 game is a lot harder to play than than it used Why to is be. That? Well, there's a lot more quality shots. Uh, there's a lot more body contact. Like nobody, the defenseman can't box out. Uh, you're, it's in a lot of more power plays. Uh, puck possession in your zone is a lot longer than it used to be. Uh, when we kill penalties, you know, uh, it just makes it harder. It just makes it harder. And then, you know, for for me, you know, I think uh, Mackenzie's doing a great job. I think it. I think it was really to a benefit. There's goalies that need to practice to be good. When you play too much, sometimes you kind of lose a bit of your habits, and it's hard to recover. It's not like we're playing in the number one, you know, number one uh, seeded team here, yeah. you know. So you get some tough, tough games at times, and 
we played him so much because we tried to survive or get back in the playoff hunt because we took ourselves out pretty quickly. Uh, and at one point, is all right, we're not we're not going anywhere. Let's just do what's proper for him. And I think he's been enjoying it because he's, he loves to practice. He's able to get there, get good quality time with Roly uh, during the practices. And, and we don't practice a lot on top of it because the schedule is hard. Yeah. He, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say, you know, you talk about the practice part. He's talked about how much he values that, how important it is to him. What does that tell you about a goaltender who really values that time? Because I don't know that everyone always does. Well, it's it's good. It says a lot, like where where he wants to go in his career. You know, yeah. I mean, it's it's easy to survive in this league. You know, obviously, eventually he's going to catch up. But if you want to be the best at your craft, like you got to work at it. You mm -hmm. know, it's one thing. I played a lot of games. I played a lot, a lot of good teams. But when it was time for practice with my goalie coach, I, we were really work on on the things that were important for me to be successful. And uh, you know, I see that into the to, to McKenzie, and hopefully we'll get a better team sooner in front of him and we'll see where, where what he's made of but i think we have to build a good foundation for him to move forward and he's in he's in a really good path right now how close do you think the devils are to putting the train back on the track and being at least in the conversation for a playoff spot let's yeah. let's put championships down the road a little bit honestly but getting back to where everyone thought they would be this year Yeah, well, I don't think I don't think it's going to take that long, but it, there'll be a process. That transition might take a year and a half to two years before we could be in the conversation. Maybe a little quicker, depending on on the growth of certain players. But like Nico and Jack, and you know, we get Jesper Bratt, and you get McKenzie, and we got a lot of lot of lot of good pieces in place. It's just a matter of everybody growing together, getting some you know younger players to to play at that level, and. Getting the, getting the you know everything on back on track about all it's all about winning and, and we got to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. And you're right, the building blocks are there. It's not like the cupboard is bare, right? You mentioned all those names with Jack and Nico and McKenzie. I I, I just want to get your thoughts on the season that Jack has had because it's. You know, it's highly talked about within the fan base and stuff just because he came in with such, such high expectations. I know he has that skill level, um, but it can't be easy as an 18-year-old with that pressure in that position to come in. How do you feel that he's handled his situation right now, both on and off the ice? Uh, like uh, off the ice, I can't really tell. I yeah. don't hear anything bad, so it's always a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but on the ice, I think it's not surprising that, that he couldn't come in and dominate like yeah. people maybe thought. I don't know why people were thought. I mean, he's a young 18-year-old. You know, the guy across uh, the river, he's eight months older at that age. That's huge. Like, think about Jack in eight months, how he's going to change right. after a summer of working out and, and do the proper things for him. To, to. But it's all experience. You know, uh, it's not easy when you're not in a winning team. We cannot really hide him anywhere, you know, because we need it. Now, it'll be different. The way we, we're going to develop, we want him to play center. That's He's been playing on the wing lately. We, obviously, hopefully, he's going to go back to, to his natural position because – We drafted him as a centerman, <laughs> and we they're important to us. And so these these are all things that eventually that's going to pay off. It's part of his development and and learning to be a better pro. You know, he's a young guy. He was in development. He was hanging out with like 16, 17, 18 year old last year for the whole boom. year. And now, boom, he's you know living <laughs> you know living by himself, and it's a, a different ballgame, making money and doing all that stuff. So it's an adjustment. I think he's handled it really well. Um, But he's got to get a bit big, bigger, bigger and stronger. And that's what young guys, they, that's what they do. You know, like a Nico from day one to the that's, way he yeah. is now, it's night and day. And, and we'll see that growth into Jack uh, real soon. Do you think around the league, Nico is an underappreciated player? 
because I don't hear his name as often as maybe because we yeah. watch him on a night in yeah. night out basis. Do you think he's underappreciated? Not it, here. It just, but I, I think it's just the style of play. It's funny how if you're all offense, everybody talks yeah. about you. But when you're a two-way player, it's like, huh, all right, he's good. <laughs> you know. And then you saw that early with Pavel Datsuk early on. Like, he, But at one point, he became mm-hmm. – they put him on the map. They like, well, they just kind of put him on the pedestal. Uh, but he's he's a, such an important player uh, for a franchise. And I know it, within the hockey world, he's really yeah. really there. Like you talk to GMs or coaches or other players, they all appreciate what he, what he does on the ice. Uh, but doesn't probably does get the recognition of a, a superstar that's going to score 50 goals, you know? you know? And he's just 21, too. We yeah. forget that sometimes, despite the yeah. fact it's his third year in the league. And there are trajectories of other players. You mentioned Datsuk, but you can look at it. It just takes a while. And then if you have the requisite skills and the drive and you care, then there's a point yeah. well, where you, it just skyrockets. But Not the, everybody's Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews. No, but the, the, the like thing that. is, is like you look at Jonathan Tays, you know, they come in and – He's won a Stanley Cup, and that's why he's well regarded and popular. And that's until true. you yeah. get to this competition that you could it could matter for you, it's hard to grow into the, you know, to the player that people think you should be. You know, it's just you get you play some meaningful hockey. You know, you talked about it uh, about getting this team back to where it should be, and I think that's what every Devils fan loves to hear because for twenty five years the Devils were in that conversation. Didn't always win, but you had to put them at the beginning of the year who has a chance to win. And there were great players and Hall of Famers and on and on and on. And the depth of the organization was fabulous. Do you talk to fellow alums? Do they have that same, like, when are we going to get back to that? Yeah, I think we we just had our big reunion not long ago, and, and that was a lot of talk about that. You know, they they said, I can't believe like this year went that way. Everybody expectation were so much higher, and obviously, you know, it didn't go the way, and that's why there was there was a lot of changes. Uh, but again, every I think it, when you when you're you play for the Devils, you're always going to be a Devil, you know, and then especially the the, the teams that won here. Yeah. We, we want to see this fan base and, and, and a lot of the people are, are the same people that were there when we won. And it's, that's what makes it so cool. And that's what makes it so hard to see that we, that, that product is not competitive yet. But it will be. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, a little, little more time. I, it's a little setback. You know, I'm sure people are disappointed about that. I, I get it. But, you know, we got to move forward here. Will we see more, do you think, alums involved? Obviously, you've come back. Kenny Danico does the TV. We have an alumni group, Bruce Driver and Grant Marshall. Sergey Breland is down yeah. in Binghamton. Yeah, but we, might we see some more of those championship guys around? I hope so. You know, I think, uh, like I said, that was a first step. Like, uh, I think we're, we're kind of reaching out to these guys a lot more. I do I do a golf event that I'm bringing 18 uh, alumni every <laughs> year. Every, well, I started last year, but we're doing it again this summer. Try to get them involved a little bit and then, uh, you know, Get get that spirit back a little bit. Maybe the the good fortune, you know, that that we had. And and I know people are listening, and and they're going to say, like, Marty just said <laughs> they're so all coming, so coming back. back. <laughs> <laughs> Understand? Uh, some will be around, and some may not. But the fact of the matter is, they have loved their time with the Devils, and it, it runs the course, uh, runs through their body, through the course of their veins. They bleed the uh, Devil's blood, that's for sure. So we did touch upon golf. We don't have much more time to talk about it, so we'll just note that we got golf in. Yeah, every, every podcast, every podcast has golf reference. And so uh, the MB30 Invitational was a success last year, and I'm sure in year number two it's going to be fabulous. Can we ask the plane question, though, before we say goodbye? Even I though- think so, because okay. you were on the plane home from Vegas. Yeah. And you've, you've traveled on the charter many times, uh, whether it's as a player or in other capacities. We ask all our players who come in, 
what is it that they do on the plane? Because we obviously sit a little ahead. Yeah. So when you were a player, what did you like to do on the plane? And now what do you do? I used to play cards with the guys. Okay. Yeah. We've had a lot of that. Yeah. And uh, how'd you do? Were you uh, like a, No, oh. I was just okay. I broke even at the end of the year. <laughs> it was a good trip. Uh, Probably different. You guys have uh, different, different yeah, I, I, I played for 22 years. So <laughs> <laughs> I got lot, lots of guys. But uh, early on in my career, I didn't. You know, it was a little more uh, big hitters. You know, you had like Claude Lemieux, Randy McKay, Billy Guerin the first year. And they could almost like sometimes they got a little dicey there. Like, Come on. Got a little nervous. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Dan, probably Dan was probably there at that time too. And uh, they were making money. I was making peanuts back then. So I didn't want to spend it on cards. Uh, but no, I, I played cards when I was uh, – when I played, and uh, now I'm, you know, usually I do a bit of work, but go watch some some TV or whatever, some movies or, or you know, Prime videos and stuff like that. That's what do you like uh, to watch? Is there something? Uh you know what? I just finished uh, the season of uh, fourth season of uh, Animal Kingdom. Oh, uh, I haven't it's watched a great that. show. It's a great show. It's about the family of thieves in, in California, and uh, it's kind of good. Kind of type type of show I like, and I know my my wife likes it too. So we always try to. Again, when I go on the road, so we match our episodes. <laughs> so when we you get you watch home, episode three, yeah, okay, okay, okay you're yeah. good. Yeah, <laughs> don't watch four though, because I'm really busy. <laughs> you can't get ahead of each other. It's yeah. got to be uh, exactly same, uh, on the same level. But I, I don't travel with the team as much as <laughs> I, I used to, so I'm by myself a lot in those small <laughs> United <laughs> flights. <laughs> Marty's like, Newark, this is not great. But uh, anyway, Marty, thank you so much for giving us your time. Uh, great insights as to what's happening currently with the franchise what the future we all hope holds. And thank you so very much for your time. My pleasure. Thanks. And that'll wrap up this edition of the official Devils podcast for Amanda Stein. I'm Matt Lachlan. Thanks for listening. Thank you for your company. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. 